Hey guys, just before we get started, I wanted to kind of put a swear warning because I realize I do in fact swear a lot and I just kind of want to make sure if any kitties are listening that uh, you should probably stop now if unless you're a mature child. And also I'd like to say, uh, sorry mom, <laughs> let's get started with the episode. Hey guys, welcome back to the Long Mission Rain podcast. I'm Aiden, I'm your host for this podcast. So... I have had actually like a really great last two weeks. As you guys saw, I finally um, kind of completed the burn book. Like I'm obviously going to add more men in there when I, as I think of them, but I finally put pictures in them, pictures in it, <laughs> and it feels a lot more, you know, complete. Um, I'm I'm definitely going to post more of the pages because there's there's a lot more men in there than just uh, Christopher Columbus and Henry VIII. Um, I really hope you guys like it. <laughs> it's a project I've been working on for a while, and I've never had a uh, printer to add pictures. And now that I've added the pictures, it it looks a lot better, I think. Um, also, I went to a farmer's market, which felt very adulty of me. Um, I went to a farmer's market willingly without an adult, which was weird. Um, I got this, like, really cool necklace. I'll have to post a photo of it, but it's, like, my name and, like, the the guy who made it he made it by hand like in 10 minutes and it is so pretty I'm obsessed with it with it I've always wanted like a necklace that like has my name on it like it's very very y2k (laughs) of me um oh what else did I do this week oh I went on a shopping trip yesterday that was really fun um as you guys know by this episode description, uh, it's almost my birthday, so I felt like uh, treating myself, and I bought myself a whole bunch of new clothes, and it makes me feel really great, so that's awesome. All right, let's actually get into why we're here today. woo It's almost my birthday. This episode goes out on the 12th, which is not my birthday. My birthday is on the 13th, but uh, schedule just didn't fall on my actual birthday like it did last year, but... Yay, it's my birthday. I'm going to be 20 a whole two decades. How are my teenagers over already? That's, it's disgusting, right? <laughs> and to celebrate my birthday, I thought I'd do an episode finally on one of my favorite women in history, Marie Antoinette. Now, originally this was supposed to be like split into two parts because Marie Antoinette has a lot of shit going on. But I didn't want to split my birthday episode into two parts. I thought that would be weird. So I had to water down <laughs> a good deal of her life to be able to uh, fit it comfortably into one episode. We'll we'll see how it goes. I'm not sure how long this episode is going to run. But I, I hope that I uh, edited her life enough to the point where this episode isn't too long. I'm very excited to get into her. You know, I've never done any like deep dive research into Marie's life and I I, I found her 10 times more interesting than I already thought she was. So let's get into it. Yay! So Marie Antoinette was born as Maria Antonia on the 2nd of November 1755 in the Hofburg Palace in Vienna, Austria to Empress Maria Theresa and Holy Roman Emperor Francis I. Now, of course, with Marie being born on the 2nd of November, that makes her a Scorpio, which, you know, at first I I really didn't think seemed to fit her because like Scorpios are like 
intense and ambitious and hardworking. And I'm pretty sure if you asked any person on the street to describe Marie Antoinette, they probably wouldn't use uh, intense, ambitious, and hardworking for <laughs> her. They probably wouldn't use those words. But I personally, having like looked into her life, think she was hardworking and ambitious, just not in like the traditional sense of her like wanting power. You know, we, we usually think of these type of people as being like academically inclined or power hungry, but that just wasn't Marie's way. She was, you know, interested in parties and other like artistic things. Like she liked music and stuff and dancing. She was a planner and a hostess, really. She wanted to make people like her, and she worked very hard in her image, which I, I, I think fits that Scorpio ambition perf perfectly, just like in, in the less traditional sense of how you think of ambitious people. Anyway, let's talk about her parents and her family, starting with her last name, uh, Habsburg Lorraine, and how that came to be. So the Habsburg part of her name is probably the most important. We have discussed this family uh, before with our uh, boy, Holy Roman Emperor uh, Charles uh, the fifth, who was Catherine of Aragon's nephew, and who Marie is also descended from. Uh, but by the mid-1700s, the Habsburgs were, like, pretty huge players on the European stage. I mean, they literally owned half of Europe by this point. And uh, the fun part about her side of the family is that this was her mom's side of the family. Now her mommy was Maria Teresa, and Maria Teresa literally wore the fucking pants of Europe. Like, this bitch was intense. I mean... Marie's mom, Maria Teresa, never expected to succeed to where she had gotten because when she succeeded as Queen of Austria and Queen of the other Habsburg land holdings, everyone thought she was just going to, you know, going to, like, roll over and, like, let her husband handle everything. But, oh, boy, were they fucking wrong. The minute Maria Teresa's father died, she got to work making sure no one could steal any of her birthrights from her or diminish her power. I mean, she was a scary lady, but boy, do I fucking admire her for it. Like, I can't remember. I, I Sorry, I can't wait to do an episode on her because she is so cool. And, you know, I actually think I remember reading a quote from her that said, had she not been pregnant all the time, she would have ridden into battle with her troops. And I've got to say, she is my shiro simply for that statement. Like, go Maria Teresa. Now, on the other side of this, we have Marie's father, who compared to her mother is severely lacking in awesomeness. Um, her father was the son of the French Duke of Lorraine, and for a while, our boy Francis didn't even have the Duchy of Lorraine to inherit for a few decades. Uh, the Duchy was actually in the hands of our favorite dethroned Polish king, uh, Stanislaw, a.k.a. our girl Maria Lachenska's dad. Remember him? Um, and... In Maria Lachenza's episode, I talked about uh, Louis XV giving uh, good old King Stan some land so he would stop trying to be king of Poland. Well, that land happened to be the Duchy of Lorraine, and for a while, Francis didn't have it. He wasn't expected to inherit it, but um, he still held the title, but not the land. Um, he did get the land back later after uh, ex-King Stan died, so uh, half went, I guess. Now, when Francis married Maria Teresa, he got to become Holy Roman Emperor because legally his wife couldn't hold that title because of stupid sexist laws about women not being able to be Holy Roman Emperors, <laughs> which in theory made him powerful, but let's be real, Maria Teresa was doing all the work. Now, like I said before, everyone thought that when Maria Teresa succeeded that he would rule, but his wife took hold of the reins and, you know, Francis, he was, he was a cool bitch. Like he, he was okay with taking the backseat to his wife. 
uh, Francis, he had, a, he had a really laid back attitude. He was like a nice and easygoing person and he was easy to get along with. And he and Marie Teresa had a really good marriage, which is pretty evident by the fact that they popped out 16 kids in their marriage. Um, uh, Marie Antoinette was the second youngest of these 16. She was like 15 out of 16. Uh, she had one younger brother and that's it. So she was like literally the baby baby of the family. She was the youngest girl, which, you know, I can't, I can't attest to since I am in fact the oldest out of only uh, two in my family. So like, I really can't relate to being the youngest. <laughs> um, now, because of Marie Antoinette being the baby in a large family, she kind of had an interesting upbringing and relationship with her parents. Um, her mother, as I've mentioned, intense, super domineering. Um, like, not only was half of Europe terrified of her, so were her children. Um, <laughs> it's not like Marie didn't love her mother or anything, because she totally did. She absolutely adored her mother. It's just that her mother had really high expectations for all her children, and Marie was no exception. But because... But because she was so involved in like her older children's lives, since they were going to be a lot more important dynastically, Marie kind of fell by the wayside compared to her older brothers and sisters because, you know, she was way less politically important. So she was pretty much ignored by her mother, which in turn left her father as her only parent to parent her, which was not a great thing for Marie's ego. As I said, Francis was a chill motherfucker, but he was also a super lax parent. And with Francis being Marie's favorite parent, he let her get away with pretty much anything she wanted. And he gave her whatever she wanted. Like if she wanted a pony, her dad would buy her that pony no questions fucking asked like he loved her and this is and this i uh, i get whatever i want attitude and like can do anything attitude would end up being a problem later as you can probably guess if you know anything about marie antoinette now on a sad note marie did lose her father when she was 10 years old which probably sucked considering they were like so close like she was a daddy's girl and it, it makes me sad for her because it also changed her family dynamic a lot because her mom like went into deep mourning. Like her mom loved Marie's dad, which must have made it like 10 times more depressing when your mom's like in, in deep mourning for your dad. Now on to another pretty bad influence in Marie's upbringing. Um, her older sister, Maria Carolina, but we'll call her Charlotte as to not confuse because literally all Marie's sisters are named Marie something. Um... <laughs> So it's less confusing for me and you. Like, all, all the sisters in uh, Marie's family uh, went by their middle names. Generally, it was like a trend, like, in this time period to name your daughters Marie and then something and then call them by their middle names. Anyway, Marie and Charlotte were extremely close growing up. They had the same governess as kids, and they were always getting into trouble, so they had to be, like, separated during their studies because it was literally such a problem. Um, and Marie was like literally devastated when her sister was married off to the King of Naples, which by the way, Charlotte didn't take well. Uh, they literally had to shove the poor girl into the carriage to take her to Italy because she literally like refused to go. And, uh, one day when she gets her own episode, which she will, we'll, we'll, we'll talk about that in more depth, but for now, uh, on to Marie's education. So one thing about her education is that it was completely world-class. Like it was like top notch schooling, but the thing is, Marie didn't like school, like, at all. So she skipped classes, and she was shit at all her subjects, like math, science, languages, English, history. But one place where she did excel at was music and dancing, because it wasn't boring to her. Actually, she liked music so much that when she was seven years old, she was introduced to a seven-year-old Amadeus Mozart, who at the time was like this cute little child project 
prodigy, which must have been cool for her since she loved music so much and like meeting a child music prodigy must have been fun. Also, I like read like a a story about this meeting that apparently Mozart was like so in love with Marie that um, he proposed to her like when they were seven, which like obviously like would have never happened. Like it's a cute story, but like she was an Austrian princess and he was like basically a peasant. That would have never happened, but I think it's I think it's cute that we have that story. Anyway, uh, now before we move on, I just want to talk a bit about what she looked like. Now, as we all know, she was considered very very pretty in her lifetime. Um, from what I read, she was like an absolute stunner right off the bat. She had these big blue eyes that like everyone just loved, and her hair was like this pretty like ash blonde color where it was like almost like silver. But I think her most interesting feature is actually funnily funnily enough the result of inbreeding. Um, So if you know anything about the Habsburg, you know they are famous for close inbreeding in the family. Uh, Marie's parents were no exception. They were uh, second cousins, I think, Uh, which in hindsight is like actually pretty unrelated for these guys. Uh, But because of prior inbreeding in this family, a lot of these Habsburgs have what we like to call a Habsburg jaw, which is when like your lower part of your jaw like protrudes. And like in extreme cases, like in our boy, uh, Charles V, Holy Roman Emperor, uh, it looks very strange because um, he, he had quite a large Habsburg jaw. Um, some people in uh, Marie's family like couldn't talk or eat properly because of their Habsburg jaw, but it actually ended up being an asset in Marie's case. Now, Marie's Habsburg jaw was like only slight and like it gave her like a little, little pouty lip, which was like kind of cute. <laughs> So, like, instead of inbreeding making her ugly, it made her pretty. So, yay, I guess. And, like, I've got a, I've got kind of, like, a little lower protruding jaw, which maybe might point some inbreeding in my family. But I have a cute little pouty lip just like that. So, like, it's kind of cute, you know? (laughs) Okay, so now we're coming to the historical context part of the show. Because we always need historical context. So, um, at the close of the Seven Years' War, which I won't explain because it's very, very complicated, uh, Marie Antoinette's mom, Maria Theresa, wanted to make peace with France. Now, the original plan was to have Marie's older sister, Maria Carolina, marry the King of France, Louis XV. But that changed when a smallpox epidemic hit the royal family very, very hard, killing one of Marie Antoinette's older sisters, Maria Josepha, and scarring another sister, Maria Elizabeth, who was considered, like, the prettiest of all the sisters. And and her new smallpox scars pretty much took her off the marriage market. And after Maria Josephia's death... Um, that ended up sending poor Maria Carolina to Naples to marry the king because Maria Josepha was originally supposed to go. And uh, since Maria Elizabeth wasn't able to marry old King Louis anymore, Maria's uh, mother came up with a brand new plan. Now, recently, King Louis had lost his only son, and now his young grandson was the heir to the French throne and he needed a match soon because you know they were worried maybe he'd die out of the blue so maria Teresa started looking around like hmm who could i possibly send from my family to marry the king's grandson and then i'm sure one of her advisors was like um your majesty what about maria maria antonia and maria Teresa was probably like oh yeah 
yeah, I have a younger daughter who's just about his age. Yeah, she'll work. Um, suddenly, Marie Antoinette was like at the center of her mother's attention and like at the center of a huge political match, which is probably something she never expected. I mean, of course, she expected to like marry nobility or like a minor duke. But as the youngest girl, she really should have just married some like random like count or something. But here she was now in her early teens getting ready to become the future queen of France, which required a lot of work. And we know how Marie feels about work at this point. Now, Marie and little Louis were formally engaged in 1770 and they had some serious work to do on Marie before the wedding. Now, if you guys remember from the Marie Lachenska episode, the French court was super, super strict, super, super snooty, and super, super cultured. Now, realistically, it should not have been difficult to get her ready considering the education she got. Still, of course, the problem was that she had been skipping her classes for fucking years. I mean, the girl was basically illiterate in several languages of which she was supposed to know. Now, the French court ended up sending her a tutor to prepare her, and they basically had to give her a quick crash course in, like, all the things she was supposed to know, so when the tutor got there, they didn't think she was fucking stupid. <laughs> so basically, her mom was like, fuck, fuck, fix it before they get here. Hurry, hurry, they're almost here, they're almost here. And when the tutor got there, it was pretty evident to him that she was, like, poorly educated. However, he still commented that she was clearly bright and much more intelligent than has generally been supposed, which is a direct quote. But he also did comment that she was pretty a pretty lazy student about 90% of the time. Um, other things they had to do before she was officially sent to France was that they had to, like, beautify her. Not that she was ugly in the first place, as I said before. She was a cute kid, but they needed to fix some things. Now, first of all, she had pretty crooked teeth, and in order to correct that, they basically had to give her, like, the 18th century version of braces. And they were called uh, Fouchard Bandeau. And these things look, like, gnarly. Like, no, no like, copies of them, like, exist these days, but, like, they're drawings. Um, and I have no idea how she wore them for three months to get her teeth straight. I mean, they basically, like, sewed the poor girl's teeth together. <laughs> uh, that's why I hate braces. Um, in addition to that, her shoulders were also uneven. I, she might have had scoliosis, so they put her in, like, this, like, specialized corset to, like, basically, like, correct that, which actually doesn't sound, like, all too uncomfortable. A lot of people wear, like, like, braces to, like, fix crooked backs these days. Um, after all this, like, prep time and anticipation, on April 19th, 1770, a proxy marriage was held in Vienna with uh, Marie's older brother uh, standing in for the groom. Um, and they also had, like, a reception and, like, a, a little party to celebrate Marie's wedding. Now, two days later, after a very, very teary goodbye with her mother... Um, who before Marie left told her, goodbye, my dear child, a great distance will separate us now. Do so much good to the French people that they will say I have sent them an angel, which is all, you know, Marie Theresa may, may have been strict, but she absolutely loved it, all of her children, which is, I think is admirable. Now, Marie left her homeland with quite the fucking posse. Like she had 57 carriages with like tons of people specifically dedicated to helping this tiny little 14 year old girl with whatever she needed. I mean, she was, like, living it up. Like, she was dripping in jewels of the Guanza. Now, it took her two weeks to make it to the French border. And when she got there, she met her French posse, who were supposed to take her to meet the king. But first, a transformation had to take place. Now, she had to become French, not Austrian. So when she arrived, they took her to um, a clearly just, like, thrown-together wooden building. Like, 
probably a tent that they had built like just that morning where they like literally stripped her naked, which must have been embarrassing as a 14 year old. I would have not liked to be uh, stripped naked in front of a whole bunch of strangers at 14. And then they dressed her in all French clothes, uh, took away pretty much anything that she had that was Austrian, including her name, which was changed to the French version, which is why we know her as Marie Antoinette instead of Marie Antoinette. Marie Antonia. I mean, hell, they even took her fucking dog, Mops, which wasn't allowed into France, which is so sad. I would hate it if they took my doggy away. Uh, as I've read, her dog was also a pug, and I have a pug, so, like, I'd be, like, really depressed if they took my pug away. <laughs> anyway, from here, it took her another week by carriage for her to make it to the forest where she would meet her future husband. Now, all I gotta say about their meeting is that it was definitely, um, awkward. Um, they were both clearly very, very nervous. Also, they had so many people staring at them, including King Louis XV, so it probably wasn't going to be a smooth interaction no matter what. But we will talk about her new hubby, little Louis, who was so painfully awkward in a bit. But as of now, let's talk about their uh, fabulous in-person wedding rather than their proxy marriage. So she got married in the Palace of Versailles in the private chapel that they had there. Uh, they made this like absolutely fabulous dress for her to get married in with like pounds and pounds of diamonds and gold thread but not only was this thing like super heavy for like a 14 year old girl to walk around in they also somehow i don't know how they got her measurements wrong like someone like miscommunicated when the dress was made and it it, it was it was too big for her for like her little tiny 14 year old frame which meant they had to like when they tied her up, there were, like, gaps in her bodice. Like, you could see her, like, undergarments under there, which must have been awkward when Marie got to the chapel. Um, now, when Marie, like, walked down the aisle, little Louis was, like, clearly fucking nervous. Like, he was sweating, <laughs> like, through the whole cer ceremony. But luckily, he did make it through the whole thing without collapsing, so, like, good for him. Um, after the official ceremony, they had a reception, and Marie got some wedding gifts, like a beautiful jewel set from the king. And after the reception came, dun-dun-dun, the wedding ceremony. Ooh. <laughs> Now, if you know this podcast at all, you know how important bedding ceremonies can be in a noble girl's life, and sometimes they can also be very fucking traumatic, a la Catherine de Medici, or they can define your life like it did for Catherine of Aragon. But in Marie's case, this one night ended up defining her life. She and little Louis were handed their nightgowns after a bishop blessed the bed, which I still don't know how that works, and they got into bed, which is when uh, the king and everyone else there bowed, drew the curtains on their bed, and everyone left and waited till the next morning, hoping that these two teenagers were going to have sex. <gasps> but nothing happened that night, and nothing continued to happen for the next seven motherfucking years, which will end up being a problem for Marie and her popularity as she transitions from Dauphine to Queen. But, you know, at the time after that first night, many people were like, hey, you know, they're kids. They're, they're teenagers. They'll, they'll fucking figure out how to have sex. It's fine. <laughs> but, oh, boy, were they really, really, really wrong. <laughs> Okay, now before we talk about Marie's life as the Dauphine, I want to talk about her new hubby, little Louis, also known as Louis Auguste. Now, as I mentioned before, he was not supposed to be uh, 
the Dauphin this early, actually. He was never supposed to be king at all. He was the second-born son to his father. But when his brother died at approximately, I think he was four years old. And then a few years later, his father also died along with his mother. And then suddenly after that, he was the Dauphin. And he was preparing for a crown that not only he should have never had in the first place, but he should have never had this early. I mean, his dad was supposed to be king before him. Now, not only did all this loss at a young age affect him, but the education he received did not prepare him for much of anything to do with ruling a kingdom. His tutor was like a piece of shit and bullied him and made him super shy and indecisive, which is probably why his and Marie's relationship so far was awkward and formal because he was an introvert. He didn't know how to socialize. I mean, this kid's favorite two fucking hobbies was like hunting and making locks. Like, he literally made locks. Like, that's how weird this kid was. Now, meanwhile, Marie was social and lively, where little Louis was like, none of these things. He probably had no idea how to talk to her. So there was, like, no bow chicka wow wow going to happen if he couldn't even talk to his own wife, despite the fact that they had a lot of things in common. For example, both of their fathers died in the same year, though I doubt either of them knew that they even had that in common. Like, every time I think of their relationship, it's almost as if the computer geek ended up somehow marrying the cheerleader and never never quite recovered from the shock of the fact that he managed that. <laughs> now, while their relationship wasn't loving now it definitely gets much better so like don't worry about it now to say that the reaction to Marie and Toinette and little Louis's marriage was mixed would be an understatement like the last foreigner destined to become queen aka Maria Lachenska a lot of the court didn't like her for stupid reasons mainly the fact that they blamed Austria for bringing France into the seven years war so some of the nobility called her names behind her back and also accused her of being a spy for Austria, which didn't help her image among the nobility. Um, on the opposite end, the common people loved her, just like with Maria Lachenska. Like, the common people adored Marie Antoinette. She was beautiful and graceful, and she brought, like, flat, fresh blood to the aging king's court. She was pretty much a welcome sight to her, to her, uh, to the French people. And her first public event in 1773 in Paris was a huge hit. Even though Marie was social, she, believe it or not, struggled with the social aspects of the French court because I feel like they were hard for anyone, no matter how gregarious and social you are. Court life in France was extreme here and the word privacy did not exist because from the moment Marie opened her eyes in the morning to the moment she went to sleep she was never ever alone when she woke up in the morning all the highest ladies in the court would be in her room to watch her get dressed which as a teenager would have been fucking embarrassing again they also watched her put on her makeup and then from there she would go to church and then have breakfast where anyone and I mean anyone if you were dressed appropriately could come and watch Marie and the court eat their food like they were zoo animals and Marie hated it she did not want to follow the rules of the court and one time it actually got her in trouble with the king's mistress so for the people who didn't listen to the Marie Lachenska episode you wouldn't know that Louis the 15th was a big old slut and he had a lot of mistresses and his mistress at this time, post uh, Maria Lachenska dying, was a lady named Madame Duberry. Now, despite the fact that she had been born a commoner and pretty much no one, especially the king's children, liked her, she was very, very politically influ influential. Still, Marie decided to be cold towards her because her hubby's aunties, who wanted 
who she wanted to impress, didn't like Madame Dubarry, which was a huge problem for Marie's position at court since she couldn't do her job and make babies because her husband had the confidence of a fucking earthworm. Now, the king probably didn't like her now because she was snubbing his mistress and it was a very real possibility that she that the king could end up dissolving Marie's marriage and send her home um which Marie's mother was totally aware of so she was like girl you better fucking fix this now talk to the king's mistress right now which Marie did now there was a rule at the french court that you can't talk talk to high-ranking people unless they speak to you first. So, so far, Marie had been ignoring Madame Dubarry, which meant Madame Dubarry couldn't speak to Marie. So, to fix that, Marie went up to Madame Dubarry, decided to put all this stuff aside, and on New Year's Day, she went up to Madame Dubarry and said, there are a lot of people at Versailles today. And that's it. (laughs) That's all she had to do. Now, it wasn't much, but Dubarry was satisfied with that, and this whole thing passed like Louis the 15th was satisfied with that. And he was like, must much less interested in uh, dissolving Marie's marriage. So skipping ahead to about 1774, Louis the 15th ends up dying from smallpox, like a bitch. And <laughs> her hubby ascends the throne as Louis the 16th of France, which concerned him when he found out he was King. Um, the morning his father died, apparently this is, legend this is the story that we have um he knelt down on the ground and asked god to protect him because he was too young to be king which sounds accurate now because marie at this point had not had any children i mean they'd been married for four years um they didn't crown her at louis coronation because no one considered her the queen until she had kids which must have been really fucking humiliating. Um, it only gets worse for her after uh, her brother-in-law and his wife have a very healthy baby boy not too not too long after the coronation. And from this point on, people like were like hissing at her in the hallways. They were like, they literally were like whispering, like, give us an air to like her face. And they even had like a doctor like come and check them out to make sure there was like nothing wrong with them. Like like, to see if there was anything, like, physically stopping them from having children, but they both passed with flying colors. Like, there was pretty much, like, nothing wrong with them. It must have been, like, a really humiliating time for her, but now, as the new Queen of France, she had a lot more distractions to help with the pain of the fact that she might not be able to have children. Now, her husband gifted her a chateau, the Petit Trenant, for her own personal use, because even though he knew she didn't like how she was being treated, um... He decided to give her, like, an escape to, like, get away from court life. And Marie spent most of her time having the palace redecorated and throwing parties and, like, buying clothes, which is, like, where the beginning of the common people hating her started. Because even though it wasn't really her fault, the common people blamed her spending on why France had no money, which wasn't the whole truth. The country had been, like, fucking having money problems for years before she even got there. But the country needed a scapegoat, and they used Marie. Now, I also have to mention at her chateau, she set up this, like, little fake village, like, just outside of it, with, like, chickens and cows, where she could basically, like, play peasant, which she also gets a lot of shit for, which I understand. Like, it, it seems very out of touch for her. Still, she wasn't the only one doing this. It was actually really trendy at the time because of, like, naturalism coming into fashion. Um, I don't think she was trying to make fun of peasants. I think she, like, genuinely had no idea, like, what they went through. And she thought by, like, having a farm, she was, like, relating to them in some way. But 
actually it was like really just in poor taste, but like, I don't think she really knew that. So like, I'm going to give her a pass on this one. It, it, it was definitely insensitive of her, but she really didn't know. Um, okay. Skipping ahead to 1777. Uh, it's a few years into her reign as queen, uh, still no babies. And Marie's mother is getting like incredibly concerned. Like it's, they've been married for seven years. This is an issue. So she calls for backup. And by backup, I mean, she calls up her son, Joseph, who is now Holy Roman Emperor to go to France and find out what the fuck is going on. Um, so Joseph came to France incognito. Uh, he came under a fake name and stayed with Marie and Louis for a bit to like get to the bottom of what was going on. And he can, Concluded that there was nothing physically wrong with either of them. It's just that Louis was unconfident and shy. So in order to get Louis understand to understand what he had to do, um, Joseph used like a lock metaphor to explain to Louis what sex was. <laughs> Even though he's twenty a twenty three year old man and he should have known that. Um, but whatever Joseph did. It fucking worked because soon enough, they finally had sex and Marie was pregnant. And on the 19th of December, 1778, Marie Antoinette gave birth to a girl <laughs> that she named Maria Teresa after her mother. Now, the birth was pretty difficult because the room was like really, really crowded because everyone was excited that she was finally pregnant. And she actually ended up passing out when she gave birth because there was like no good air in the room. They had to open up. They had to crack a window <laughs> to, like, get her to wake up. But the good news was that the baby was healthy, and so was she. Now, even though the baby wasn't a boy, it still proved that she could have healthy children. So it was still treated as a victory. Like, everyone was still excited that she had a baby. It really didn't matter the gender. People thought, oh, she'll have a boy next time. It doesn't matter. Now, motherhood ended up changing Marie for the better. And while she still had issues with money spending, she toned down her look for, like, a more simple and feminine aesthetic which became popular with the younger people at court but what was less popular but was less popular with the older generation who was still into like heavy makeup and like wide skirts of the past now, even though Marie had finally given birth to a child, no one let up on her. Um, it was rumored that she was sleeping around and pretty much everyone questioned her uh, child's paternity, even though at this stage it seems unlikely that she was sleeping around uh, when she uh, hadn't given birth to a son yet. I don't think she was stupid enough to uh, start sleeping around uh, when she hadn't had her son yet. Now, luckily, in October of 1781, she finally gave birth to long for uh, longed for a uh, boy. And of course they named him Louis, but uh, they called him uh, Louis Joseph, which was obviously after Marie's brother. Now, even though this was a huge deal, uh, Marie's mother didn't get to see it, unfortunately, as she died a year before little baby Louis Joseph was born, which really hurt Marie because as, as I mentioned, she loved her mother so much. And like her last link to home was gone. Now, after the birth of their son, they had another boy in 1785, which they named Louis Charles. Um, and then after Louis Charles, they had a little girl uh, named Sophie, who unfortunately died really young. Now, like I said, I doubt Marie was sleeping around until she had a son. But once uh, she did, I totally think she was sleeping with someone. And that person was Axel von Fersen. Now, he was a Swedish nobleman and a soldier who fell absolutely head over heels for Marie. And I think by the time she had two sons, like her heir and her spare is like when their relationship got real. Like, I think they were like flirting like up until that point. But once Marie had her uh, second son, 
I think they probably started having sex, which I hate to admit because I wish she hadn't cheated on Louis because he was such a nice dude. Like there was like no passion with him and like they weren't really like super in love, but like she loved him and like they had like a good relationship. Uh, but she had like no like sexual passion with Louis in her life. So that's probably why she took up with Axel. And I'm pretty sure he was probably the real father of Marie's youngest daughter, Sophie. But some people think that he was maybe her second son's father. But I personally don't believe that. Now, even though Marie had done her duty at this point, she and the royal family were becoming incredibly unpopular because France was at the time was involved in the American Revolution and it was like draining their treasury for like a dumb war that they really shouldn't have been involved in and Marie was embroiled in a sexual scandal because of Axel von Fersen and her keeping her home country's interest at heart in politics also pissed a lot of people off because she was Austrian and people didn't like Austria Austria so it was not really looking good for anyone at this point Okay, so now it's time to talk about the scandal that was the final nail in the coffin for Maria's reputation, which was the affair of the diamond necklace. So, once upon a time, our old pal Louis XV had this, like, really fucking expensive diamond necklace made for his mistress, Madame du Barry, but the king died just before he could pay for it. So, the jeweler tried to sell it to Louis XVI for Marie Antoinette, but Louis XVI didn't want it because, uh... And also Marie Antoinette didn't want it. She figured that the money could be used for other things other than a necklace for her. Now years go by until this one woman named Jean has this plan to basically steal the necklace. Now at the time she was the mistress of like a, a cardinal who Marie like hated. And he felt bad and like wanted to win Marie's love back. And Jean knew this. So she told him that she could help him. So she sent him like fake letters from Marie that were like a little spicy to the point where the cardinal was like convinced that the queen was in love with him. And <laughs> he demanded to see her. So Jean hired a prostitute like whose whole like shtick was that she looked like Marie and like he bought it. Now eventually they had fake letters sent to him from Marie asking him to buy the necklace for her like discreetly, which he did because he had the money and he handed it over to a person claiming to be Marie's valet, which was like a total lie, by the way. Um, now, the necklace was picked apart and sold off. And when the cardinal didn't end up paying the installments that he promised for the necklace, uh, the jeweler comp complained to Marie and she was like, what, what the? the fuck i didn't buy a necklace and even though marie didn't do anything like she didn't do this she was vilified by the public and press and it, it got even worse now there were like pa pamphlets back then uh called libels libels i think um and they were publishing like all this lewd stuff about her like they like published like drawings of her like having orgies in the palace and stuff and they also published the whole like let them eat cake let them eat cake thing which she almost definitely did not say which it's so stupid that she's known for this <laughs> like who who would say let them eat cake in response to someone telling you that your subjects have no bread like cake is like a much more like expensive item especially in fucking revolutionary france anyway uh, they also began calling her uh madame deficit which tarnished her repu tarnished the reputation of the good mother and queen that she was trying to maintain like that was her whole image like after she stopped being a teenager 
Now, after the affair of the diamond necklace, the political situation spiraled out of control. Riots were happening pretty much every day, but that wasn't the worst of it. A month before the revolution started, Marie's oldest son, Louis Joseph, passed away at nine years old. And normally when the heir of the throne dies, there'd be mass mourning and everyone would be really upset. But there wasn't. His death set the tone for how people felt about the royal family, and it was not, not good. Like, no one was sad in the public. Like, no one was mourning for little Louis Joseph. And it was like, like, the silence from the common people was deafening when Louis Joseph died. Now, on the 14th of July, the prison... Uh, called the Bastille, was stormed, marking the start of the French Revolution. Now, the royal family was safe at Versailles for the most part until on October 5th, the revolutionaries took them and put them in a palace in Paris under house arrest to keep an eye on them. Now, originally, most revolutionaries didn't want to kill the royal family. They wanted a constitutional monarchy where Louis would have less power, but... Louis and most of his circle were, like, super not down with that since, like, they were an absolute monarchy and they wanted to stay that way. So they planned an escape while Louis pretended to play nice with the revolutionaries. They decided to finally escape on the 21st of June, 1791, and try to make it to the border with Austria where they could regroup. But, oh, did this plan go really, really bad. (laughs) They were delayed many, many times because poor Louis couldn't function without like, this protocol that he had had his whole life. Like, he couldn't do anything by himself, which isn't his fault, but, like, it's, like, very sad for him. Like, he couldn't do his shoes by himself because, like, he he insisted that, like, they wait for the right person to put on his shoes because he didn't want to put on his shoes himself. He also insisted that they take a royal carriage, um, <laughs> which was a dumb move, uh, they were finally able to leave just as servants, and they actually made it pretty far. They almost made it to the border with the Austrian Netherlands, but they ended up being caught because someone recognized the king from, like, a coin, and they were brought immediately back to Paris, where angry crowds, like, booed at them as they came into Paris. Now, after their attempted escape, the revolutionaries got more and more radical, and this is where heads started to roll. Now, they were imprisoned in an actual prison this time, where Marie heard about the murder of one of her close friends, the Princess du Lambelle, who was decapitated outside the prison and was apparently paraded around on a stick, which must have been really fucking traumatizing for her to hear about. Um, But it's about to get worse. Um, On September 21st, 1792, the monarchy was officially abolished, and her husband was now known as Louis Capet, citizen Louis Capet. Now, in December, Marie's husband was separated from from the rest of the family, and in less than two months, he was convicted of treason, uh, and he was unfortunately executed. Now, even though she and Louis hadn't had the best relationship in the world, I do think that they were absolutely in love. And I think you can see that with how she mourned for him after he died. Like they were, they were absolutely friends. They may not have been completely in love, but they were, they were married and they had a strong bond. Now, the treatment of Marie and her family after her husband's death was fucking terrible. The guards had no respect and very often insulted her and her children to her face. Eventually, the revolutionaries turned it up a notch and had Marie's son, Louis Charles, who is technically now king, taken away from her so that they could essentially brainwash the poor kid. Now, Marie ended up getting in a tussle with the guards who tried to take away Louis Charles, but she wasn't strong enough to save him. They absolutely, like, abused Louis Charles. Like, they beat him to a pulp and turned the 
eight-year-old against his mother in like a matter of weeks. And unfortunately, she would never see her son or daughter, Maria Teresa, again after this. Now, in October of 1793, they finally put Marie on trial. She was accused of many stupid things, mainly orchestrating orgies in Versailles, sending millions of uh, livres of treasury money to Austria, planning the massacre of National Guards in 1792, and declaring her son to be the new king of France. Now, through the entire trial, she sat and let people make these horrible accusations about her. The last charge got her attention when they accused her of molesting her son, Louis Charles. Now, when she heard that, she was disgusted that they would accuse her of such a thing. And the only reason they did it is because they beat Louis Charles so much that he falsely accused her of doing something she didn't do. Now, the whole trial was absolutely rigged. She had no chance of possibly surviving this. She was given no time to prepare. She wasn't given a defense team. So at the end of it, she was sentenced to death by uh, guillotine. Now, when... When Marie's husband had been executed a while back, he was taken to his execution spot in a closed carriage, Uh, but they did not extend the same courtesy to Marie. She was brought up in an open cart where you'd like bring like common fucking criminals to execution. And everything I heard about her appearance on her way to her execution is horrid. They cut her hair, which had been graying and falling out due to stress. And she was only 38, by the way. She looked like she was like 70. Now, Marie kept her composure the whole hour trip, despite the insults being thrown at her, and when she finally made it to the scaffold, her last recorded words were, pardon me, sir, I did not do it on purpose. She said this to her executioner, whose foot she accidentally stepped on on the way up to her execution place. Now, at 12.15 in the afternoon on the 16th of October, 1793, Marie Antoinette was guillotined. She was only 38 years old and had served as queen for 19 years. Now, before we talk about her legacy, let's talk about what happened to her surviving children after her death. Now, Marie's only son, Louis Charles, died in his jail cell only two years later at only 10 years old, and he died because of tuberculosis. Now, even though we are almost certain that he died in prison from tuberculosis, there are many people who, after his death, popped up claiming to be him post-revolution, which must have been traumatic for certain people. Now, as for Marie's daughter, Marie Teresa, she was eventually released when she was 17 and sent to her mother's native Austria. She was married to her first cousin, the son of her uncle, who now considered himself to be Louis XVIII. Um, Her marriage to him was not happy. Um, And they never had any children. Uh, The Bourbon monarchy was eventually restored after Napoleon Bonaparte abdicated, but their hold on power wasn't great, so she spent her time fleeing around the country and dealing with imposters that claimed to be her brother until her husband unexpectedly became king after his father died. But he refused the crown and abdicated, so technically our little girl, Maria Teresa, was queen of France for about 20 minutes. Now, from then on, she bounced from court to court until she finally died in 1851 at the age of 76, which is crazy because we actually have photos of her. Like, it's weird that she lived long enough for photos to be invented where we can actually see pictures of Marie Antoinette's daughter. It's crazy. I hope to do an episode on her one day because she is interesting. 
All right, let's get into legacy. Now, while Marie Antoinette's legacy is not the best one for obvious reasons, she is remembered for her extravagance and being the person who plunged France into revolution. But I try not to think of her that way personally. France had been having financial problems for years. It was absolutely nothing new, so it was only a matter of time for the whole thing to blow up. And while Marie's spending absolutely didn't help, she was not the end-all be-all reason for everyone being poor. And it was the result of an unfair system that hadn't been working for years, and Marie was just the final straw. It's unfair to blame her for something that was absolutely inevitable for her and for her husband being bad at his job, even though I like Louis XVI. Great guy, bad king. Now, now, thank you guys so much for joining me on this very special birthday episode. I will hopefully see you guys next time in two weeks. Bye! Hey guys, thanks for listening. If you have any suggestions for topics, you can just DM me on Twitter at LongMayShereign2. The N at the end of rain is replaced with a 2 instead. I'm also available on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google Podcasts, Anchor, and like a whole bunch of other stuff. Uh, Don't forget to rate and review this podcast on all those platforms. It really actually does help the show so much and it will help me grow my audience. So I would absolutely appreciate it if you you guys could do that. All right. Uh, bye.